This is the Inherit Dream Podcast Network. Welcome to the Inherent Dream Podcast Network, home to 763, the local morning show, the Trevor J. Brown Show, and bonus content Saturdays. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Inherent Dream and follow us on X at Inherent Dream. The Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. An adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. And now, your host, Trevor J. Brown. Welcome into another edition of the Trevor J. Brown Show, right here on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. It's so great to be back with you after our little holiday hiatus. We have a great show for you tonight. Tonight I'll be joined by Tim Coffey. Tim hosts the podcast Love and Peace, a Beatles podcast. So we'll be chatting about the Beatles and their legacy and why they're one of our favorite bands. Regina Noel Downing is back with us tonight as well, and we'll be discussing New Year's resolutions with her. How are your New Year's resolutions going? And Mark Stone is here with football picks. We'll get you all set for Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. Let's win some money with Stone on a free-for-all Friday. The Trevor J. Brown Show being brought to you by realtor Elizabeth Jamelli. Jellyfish Graphics, In Good Hands Massage, Jensen Sales Plus, and Regina Noel Downing. Welcome to your weekend and your new favorite podcast, The Trevor J. Brown Show, right here on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. You're listening to The Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Printing done right. Business made easy. That's what you get with Jellyfish Graphics in Princeton. Jellyfish Graphics offers high quality embroidery, screen printing, banners, stickers, paper printing, and much, much more. A company built on the foundation of integrity, community, and veteran owned. Get started with your project today and visit myjellyfishgraphics.com. Jellyfish Graphics is the official promotional products and apparel provider for the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Isaac Jensen here, owner of Jensen Sales Plus in Princeton. Looking to buy or sell on Craigslist, Amazon, or eBay? I can help you with that. Need help with an estate cleanout? I can help you with that too. You can count on Jensen Sales Plus to not only meet, but to exceed all of your needs and requests. For more information, give me a call at 763-742-4583 or visit online at jensensalesplus.com. Jensen Sales Plus is a proud supporter of the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. My guest tonight, Tim Coffey, a podcaster and host of the show Love and Peace, a Beatles podcast. Tim, welcome to the Trevor J. Brown Show. How are you? I'm fine, Trevor. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So we met through a mutual friend, Rick Reed, who I've known for a few years. And then I was introduced to Ed Hallback through this podcasters group that we're a part of. What made you want to get into podcasting? Well, 
know, it was it was kind of a idea that I had before I retired, and I, I think I read something about podcasting, and and initially I was I was thinking of doing a different type of podcast that would kind of coincide with with the work that I did as a chamber of commerce director, and uh, then I got sidetracked. I thought, you know, my initial podcast idea was too much work. I want to do something that I'm really passionate about, and that's that's the Beatles. Were there any particular podcasts? to sort of get you fired up about about wanting to do a podcast? Were you a fan of anything? Just going back, I, I have taught Beatle classes at our local community college to a group called the Lifelong Learners, and that's a group of people 55 and older. And I did a podcast, four different pod, or excuse me, four different classes on, on, on the group, the Beatles. And then I did uh, four different classes on, on each of the individual Beatles. And so I think the idea of kind of carrying the Beatles message, if you will, uh, from a classroom to, to a podcast kind of evolved. And I'm still working on it. It's it's uh, My Beatles podcast is in the very early stages here. So And, and I, I have to tell any listeners that, that may want to tune in on my uh, Buzzsprout podcast, I don't have music on there, unfortunately, because you have to pay a lot of money for the music so uh it's just me talking about a specific aspect of the beatles so yeah people can go to buzzsprout it's also available on spotify just search for love and peace a beatles podcast tim coffee our guest this evening here on the trevor j brown show so we had uh, a few weeks ago one of these podcaster sessions with our group and I feel like in this group we always go down this this rabbit hole of music and then we get onto the Beatles and that's the thing that's amazing Tim is that there's so much content I mean and I I don't say this in disrespect you're you're older than I am you know I'm I'm 37 you're older than me but I I assume you can relate to this too you've you live through it I I didn't live through it but I'm obviously a huge Beatles fan but there's still something I feel there's still something new every day that I discover about this band where it's like, oh, I didn't know that before. And are, are you the same way? Yeah, and, and and that's why the Beatles are still popular 60 years after they broke up. And one of the things that really fascinates me, Trevor, is, is the subtle ways that the individual Beatles have promoted the Beatles, the group, over the years. Yeah, I think... The, the generational gap was really kind of uh, sealed when the Beatles did this anthology series back in the mid-90s. And it started off in the UK on TV. And I think there were six or eight shows that talked about the history of the Beatles. Then that came over to the United States on, on uh, 1996 on, on ABC. That really brought a lot of people back in or introduced them uh, the Beatles to them. And I, I remember watching the Beatles with my uh, sister, on February 9th, 1964, on the Ed Sullivan Show. And I knew right there that, that that was something really special and those guys really rocked and, you know, this is great. So that's that's what started it for me. That was going to be my next question. What, what are some of your earliest memories of the Beatles? And, and I assume that they involved that, that first appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah. And and to, to keep in line with Ed Sullivan, I have a, a DVD that has... The Beatles on on all of their appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show, and there's they were on about six or seven times, and and the Beatles really, and I, I don't know if this is factual, but I think they were the first to really come out with a musical video, and and that's what they did on on later appearances on on Ed Sullivan. They taped uh, a musical vi- video on 
uh, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields. That that really kind of connected with the with the crowd, and and of course, I think MTV kind of picked up on that and said, "Hey, that's an idea right there." So, but again, I'm not sure if the Beatles were the first to do a musical video. Well, if they weren't the first, they were certainly one of the first. Did you have a a, a favorite appearance of the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show? Uh, hey Jude, when when McCartney sang Hey Jude, that that was taped, I think, over in London and. The, the the Beatles were in a studio with with tons of people around them. Uh, of course, Paul was on the on the piano or the the electric piano or, or organ. Yeah, that that was that was one of my favorite ones. And and Strawberry Fields was kind of cool too because they were out there in, uh, in the countryside with horses and this and that. And and there was actual uh, there was actually a strawberries. Uh, fields too that's where john lennon played when he was a, a kid growing up how cool was ed sullivan i mean th- he loved the beatles he had so many amazing diverse musicians on his show i i wish that some of these late night shows would get back to some of that stuff i mean you watch stuff from from the early Ed sullivan and you know, even going into like Johnny Carson to kind of go on a, a talk show tangent, but Johnny would always have these people on that weren't just celebrity. I mean, they were celebrity in their own right, but you know, they were authors. So maybe the mainstream person wouldn't know who they were, but Johnny was a really good interview and he would talk to them about their latest novel or, you know, he'd have mm-hmm. different politicians on and you just don't see that as much anymore. No, and and Johnny Carson was was in a class by himself too, and and he set the gold standard, and and not that many people have have risen to that standard today. But Ed Sullivan, though, getting back to Ed Sullivan, he flew to London and he got off the plane at Heathrow, and there were thousands of people screaming, and Ed Sullivan thought, oh, the Queen must be arriving. <laughs> um, and later he found out it was the Beatles coming back. I think from a a uh, uh, tour of Sweden, and oh. there were thousands of girls screaming, and he wanted to sign them uh, on his show right then and there. But the Beatles told Brian Epstein, "Hey, we're not going to go to uh, uh, America until we have a number one hit." Then I want to hold your hand. Back in, I think late January of '64, became number one, and the Beatles were in Paris for a two-week stint. And that's when they heard from Brian Epstein that, hey, hey, boys, I want to hold your hand, reach number one uh, in in America. And and then February 9th is when the Beatles were on their first appearance. And it's, it's really interesting. The Beatles, between their first show and the second show, they took the train down because there was a blizzard and they couldn't fly. But they took the train down from New York to Washington and they played their first American concert in Constitution Hall and then they they went down to Miami and taped two different uh, appearances and they loved Miami because of the weather they were swimming they were out on a boat Great Britain doesn't have that type of weather (laughs) yeah and I think at one point I don't know if it was on that stay or not but I'm pretty sure they stayed at Ed Sullivan's place down in Miami I think he had a place down there so yeah. I, I've seen pictures of them swimming in his pool and stuff, which is quite funny. Tim Coffey is my guest here this evening on the Trevor J. Brown Show. He's the host of Love and Peace, a Beatles podcast. Tim, my answer on this changes all the time. It's like the seasons, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. What is your favorite Beatles album and why? And can you narrow it down to an album or, or are you like me? And it, it the answer kind of evolves every month. Well, I... I... For a long time, uh, Sgt. Pepper was my favorite album, and it's still 
you know, right up there. Uh, the, the innovation and the efforts and certainly the cost to the recording process uh, and the innovations they introduced to that album uh, are 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 really pioneers. But I think to answer your question, Trevor, uh, Rubber Soul is my favorite album. And it's my favorite because that album, at least for me, I can start to hear the Beatles grow in their in their music. And so that kind of laid the foundation for Revolver, which really was kind of a, a psychedelic type of um, experience, then Sgt. Pepper. In fact, I think I read somewhere where Revolver was the pot album, a marijuana album, and Sgt. Pepper was the LSD album. <laughs> yeah, and then... It was a double dose on Magical Mystery Tour, or what? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's when Brian Epstein wasn't in the picture, yeah. and you know their their film Magical Mystery Tour was 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 really panned for a number of years. Now it's kind of a, a, a underground classic. So yeah, it's incredible to think about Brian Epstein, and I know at that time with his contract with the band, who knows if he would have come back as manager or appointed somebody else. But obviously the death of Brian really affected that band and the business ventures. And that's one of the things with the Beatles as a whole that I feel I go down a lot is, well, what if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? And Brian's death is one of them. I mean, what if Brian didn't die and he came back and would there have been that influence of even if, these guys are like brothers. I mean, you're going to fight on, on things. You're never going to agree on things a hundred percent, but what if there was a familiar voice that was there in 1969, 1970 that said, Hey boys, we need a break. Let's take a year break. If you want to go make a solo album, you go make a solo album. If you want to go act, go act. If you want to go to wherever you want to go on vacation, on holiday for the next year, go do it. And we'll reconvene and, 71 and we'll start up again and that never happened i mean and then alan klein got involved and it was just it was it was kind of a mess but i kind of go down those rabbit holes of of what if and you know it's part of the fun but then it also kind of makes me sad too because you know we we didn't get to we didn't get to see those things. Yeah, and and the other side of that story too, Trevor, uh, from my perspective, is then you got to see each of the four Beatles individually shine mm-hmm. on their own. Certainly, McCartney stands out above uh, all the others, but I think that's because John wasn't in the picture as long, certainly as Paul, unfortunately, and George. George made a huge contribution individually, and and really was kind of the uh, a quiet force behind the Beatles. Getting back to Alan Klein, one of the key reasons of the breakup of the Beatles were they spent more time in business meetings than they did in the studio. And they were not business heads at all. Certainly McCartney now, just based on his personal wealth, is is, is a contradiction to that statement that I just made, though. But uh, yeah, the business part really played a key role in their breakup. Well, and I think part of that with Paul, he learned over time. You know, from his perspective, I don't necessarily blame him on his distaste of Alan Klein. However, from the other guys' perspective, Paul wanted Linda's dad to, to represent yeah. the company. And from the other three... That seems like a conflict of interest to me. So I, I can see where all of the parties were coming from. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure who was, was right or wrong. I mean, again, obviously it's, well, what if this would have happened? What if that? Do you do you recall where you were when when John Lennon was, was shot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's 
It's like it happened five minutes ago. Uh, it was on a Monday night, and I lived in Northern Virginia, and I was watching Monday Night Football, and Howard Cosell, one of the football announcers, in the third quarter came on and said something to, to the effect of, I'm going to tell you folks something that is unbelievable, and you may not even believe me when I tell you this, but John Lennon has been shot, and that's that's when it hit me. It's like, my God, who in the world would do that? And actually, I almost lost my job the next day because of, of John's assassination. I was in a business meeting, all-day business meeting that kind of was going into the early evening, and we were at a, a the Shoreham Hotel in D.C., uh, planning this national business conference. And we were in a suite, and at, at 6.30, I went over to turn the TV set on to get the national news so I could watch that. And my boss, Jack Holliday, a great guy, said, Tim, turn that TV off. And we argued back and forth. And he was really stern with me, I, like I've never seen him before. And it kind of freaked me out. So I, I never, I, I turned the TV off. You know, I came real close to the edge. Yeah. But, um, yeah, things like that stand out. Uh, Howard Cosell, I, I, his words just resonate. And I, I was it was just an unbelievable evening. Yeah, my dad told me that he he remembered hearing the news and, and I think he called in sick the next day to work. Like mm. he couldn't even function. And then I think he went to work the following day and he was just so – he working with malaise. Prior to that, obviously, you know, the Beatles broke up. And did you ever, as a fan, have hope that maybe there is hope that they're going to get back together and start start playing again? Well, not at the time, because McCartney seemed pretty obvious uh, uh, that, you know, this was it, and he had his own path, though. But I did read a while back ago that John Lennon, in the early 70s, did tell in an interview, he said, yeah, you know, we've kind of made up and you never know, maybe we'll get back in the studio again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that never happened. They, uh, they, John and Paul almost went down to Saturday night live. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it was in 1975 or 76. And, uh, th th they were, Paul was in John's, uh, uh, apartment there, uh, watching Saturday night live. And, uh, what's his name? The, 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 the founder of Saturday Night Live said, I'll give $3,000 <laughs> if the Beatles <laughs> come down and, and sing. And John and Paul, if you're listening to this, come on down. And yeah. they almost did. Lauren Michaels. Yeah, Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels, yeah. yeah. How crazy is that? I mean, that would have been just nuts to see. <laughs> but what's encouraging to me is that they were in the same room at the same time hanging yeah. out, which that... That's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, that they worked out everything. And, you know, that's the thing. We said it on, on the show earlier tonight. They, they were around each other for so long, all of those guys. They were they were like brothers, and brothers yeah. fight, families fight. And and uh, most important is is uh, they were able to you know, bury the hatchet, if you will, and, and become friends again. That's, that's yeah. what, to me, is, is most important. I mentioned to you, Tim album and you mentioned rubber soul what about song favorite song boy certainly hey jude would be up there a lot of the early songs still resonate with me uh all my loving which was the very first song that the beatles sang in their american appearance i should have known better is another song that i like if i fell has incredible harmony uh, also the, the the little kind of a little ditty versus a song because 
yeah. uh, on Abbey Road, the, the harmony there. Uh, by the way, if any of your listeners are ever in Las Vegas, go see the production called Love. It's all about the Beatles. If you were a Beatles fan, you'll come out raving. If you're not a Beatles fan, you will become one. The production just blew me away. And my wife really could take take the Beatles and here and there, and that's it. She came out raving too. That's kind of a, a fruitless plug there that I didn't intend. But I totally agree with you on Hey Jude. I don't know music theory, uh, you know, in and out, Tim, but there has to be something for a part of a song where you just don't want it to end. And when they get to the end of Hey Jude and it repeats – that, that could honestly go on for 45 minutes. I don't care. Like, it's just that that's so good part of a song that you're just like, man, this is so good. The Beatles had that ability to write a, a perfect pop rock song, and that is one of them. Another one that it's lyrically storytelling. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's not a serious song, but Yellow Submarine is such a good song. I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's amazing. Like, I, I love that song. For early stuff for me, I love, well, it's not too early, but Ticket to Ride. I mean, my oh, goodness, yeah. Ringo's drumming on that song is just nuts. And I have some fringe picks that weren't on albums. Like, I love the song Rain, the the bass and the, the drums on that song. M- McCartney and, and Ringo on that are so intertwined. And I'm also a sucker for, <laughs> you'll love this. You know my name, look up the number. I love that song because what's so cool about it too is that just having fun in the studio and it's the B-side to let it be. And I'm like, you have this super serious, like uh, one of the greatest songs ever written in Let It Be. And then it's like, what are we going to throw on the B-side? Oh, here's, (laughs) you know my name, look up the number. And that shows how how great the Beatles were. I, I feel like no matter what, they never took themselves too seriously and there's there's two other instances of that 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 i'll give you one on sergeant peppers they perhaps end with their one of their greatest songs in a day in the life and then if you keep the album on there's that little bit of like noise at the end where it's like the 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 uh, reverse loops and it's them so there's that and then at the end of abbey road they took her majesty and they put it at the end so the end's not really the end it's her majesty so it's almost like it they knew like hey this would have been perfect but let's let's feed into this a little bit more and i i give them a lot of respect for that because i feel that was all very well planned out. Well, and and Trevor, just to build on what you said, I, that to me was one of the attractions of the Beatles, where they they really were having fun, and they they uh, they looked like they were having fun. Uh, you could see that they were having fun. You throw in another song, "Baby, You're a Rich Man," that, mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a spoof on on the wealth that they read about, that they have, that they didn't have. Yeah, and but they really enjoyed themselves. And McCartney always loved to perform. And he was the one that was always urging, let's go back to touring, okay? And of course, John and, and George especially hated uh, touring, though. But uh, they were going to call Abbey Road, I think, Everest. Yeah. Then Paul had these crazy ideas of, let's, let's get a yacht, go into different port cities in the Mediterranean, and just do a concert. Or let's do something by the pyramids, or you know what? And he had some crazy ideas of let's do this and let's do that. Though, but but that was part of his creativity too. It was part of his marijuana too. 
Yeah, the Everest thing, obviously, most people probably think of like Mount Everest. So there's that that play on it. But I think one of them got the title from like one of the engineers favorite brand of cigarettes was Everest brand or something. So it was, it was mainly that, but you know, it had the double, the double play on it. So Tim, I'll, I'll leave you uh, with that. Um, We'll certainly have to have you back because we just scratched the surface with everything here on, on the program. There's so much to talk about with the Beatles and we can certainly dive into their solo careers as well. But uh, Tim, I I appreciate everything and uh, we'll talk to you again here uh, down the road. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Trevor. Take care. Tim Coffey is the host of Love and Peace, a Beatles podcast. Check it out. Tim Coffey tonight here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Realtor Elizabeth Jamelli and Merwin & Associates Real Estate Services has over 35 years of experience in all aspects of real estate in Elk River, Zimmerman, Sherburne County, and beyond. Beth and her team can help you find your new home or sell your current one. She also has homes available in a beautiful 55-plus community in Elk River, off of Line Avenue, one block north of Auto. You can reach Beth at 763-286-3729. And be sure to check out current and featured listings on her new website, MerwinAndAssociates.com. Elizabeth Jamelli is the official realtor for the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Hi, this is Regina Noel Downing, the owner and instructor of the Regina Noel Music Studio and author of the Family Story Songbook series, including Give a Little Snuggle, The Bedtime Rhyme, and Dear Mom and Dad. If you are looking for educational entertainment for your school, daycare, or library delivered with a song, I'm available for live and or Zoom engagements and classes. And if you need an experienced guest speaker for educators, future educators, and even parents about how to build rapport and connect and teach effectively with compassion, please contact me. My email is author.reginanoeldowning at gmail.com or visit my website www.linktr.ee slash author rnd here's to you doing the best you can with what you've got i hope to hear from you soon this is the trevor j brown show my guest tonight she's back regina noel downing how many times does this make for you here regina i haven't scared you off yet so welcome back ha uh thank you i you know i'm not really sure three four i don't know three four times yeah boy our producer and and your your uh, your lawyers uh, we we must have struck a good deal or something on the contract <laughs> or something. So, no, uh, happy new year to you. Happy new year to you. Uh, did you have a good holiday season with family and friends? Yeah, I would say it was a little bit of both. It wasn't quite as restful as I'd hoped. You know, teenagers they're late night people, and I'm an early night person, and. So some some of those routines got a little bit messed with, and I really like my routines. But yeah, had some good family time and some good snuggles with everybody, and so that's really the most important thing to me. I feel like in my circle of family and friends right now, everybody I know is ill. Like every everybody either has a terrible head cold, some upper respiratory thing. I'm dealing with this terrible cough. I know people that have COVID right now. It's just awful. Uh, how are things down where you are? are? Are people healthy at this point? Well, so far from what I can see, yeah. I mean, minor colds here and there, but 
we don't seem to be having like an outbreak of COVID or anything like that. My family's healthy. I know I did go up to the cities for New Year's Eve weekend. And the conversation was that there there is an uptick in COVID up there. But, but here we're still doing okay. So I, We're going to talk about resolutions here in a second. But I also wanted to mention for our listeners, you operate a music studio. And one of the things that you had prior to Christmas was you had your, your holiday recital. How did that go? It was good. It was really good. Everybody did really well. And we, we always pull a really big crowd of people and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, especially the couple weeks leading up to it. Um, they're not like, like your standard recital. I, I don't really know how to explain it, but they're a lot of work. And so um, I'm always really proud of everybody, and then when it's done, I'm always really glad it's done. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of work goes into it, and it's you're obviously looking forward to it, but when it's done, I, I, I'm sure you sort of breathe that, that sigh of relief where it's like, okay, well, that's that's taken care of now. We did a good job, and now not that you really know how to relax because you always seem to be go, 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 but maybe it's a, a little step back and say, hey, we did a good job. Now I can take a little step back and, and relax a little bit? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Now it's <laughs> on to, my husband's got some major work projects right now, and I've been helping him with that the last few days. And I was just thinking this morning, I was like, gosh, I'm glad this is not recital season because having this on top of that would just be not fun. You also offer music lessons. If someone was interested in getting in touch with you regarding signing up to, to do music lessons, how, how would somebody reach you? What would be the best way? Email Regina Noel Music Studio at gmail.com. That's probably the best way. Just email me, Regina Noel Music Studio at gmail.com. Let's talk about resolutions. Did, did, have you made any resolutions for 2024? And if so, have you stuck with them so far? Now, I know some people are probably rolling their eyes. They're saying, Trav, come on. It's it's the f- first full week of, of January here. People sticking with them, but I mean, it's an honest question. Yeah. Well, I always joke. Every year I'm like, I resolute to not resolute. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the so, truth? I, I'm not particularly a huge fan of resolutions. I don't, I'm not really even sure the word to use. S- sort of empty or, or um, not authentic or realistic. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really know how to put the concept to use for to see an actual improvement in whatever area they're looking at. So, which is, it's why like people last maybe a couple weeks and then they're done. So, I, so I don't know. I do have, I do sort of set goals for myself. I guess I kind of like goals better and not calling them resolutions because resolutions are sort of definite you know like like there's no wiggle room and I don't think life works very well when there's no wiggle room just really in anything if everything is is on or off yes or no it's sort of hard to maintain any sense of progress or balance or flexibility with what may come there was a uh, a Forbes health one poll survey that found that the average resolution last just 3.74 months. Only 8% of respondents tend to stick with their goals for one month, while 22% last two months, 22% three months, and 13% last four months. I think with resolutions, one of the things that people, this mentality that we have 
as Americans is it's like this all or nothing thing. I have to do this. I have to do it right. And if I mess up, then I'm done. Where actually, I think what's healthier is instead of doing a resolution, it has to be a lifestyle change. I mean, a lifestyle change occurs not overnight. It's not going to just be something that you say, I'm going to do it. And it happens in a month. I mean, two years ago, I set out on a path to be like, you know what? I want to get healthier. I want to lose some weight. And that first year went great. I lost 40, 45 pounds. And last year was pretty much a wash. I didn't lose anything. And I keep going. I kept going throughout the year, Regina. And I was like, Hey, you know, I wonder, wonder if it's this, or I wonder if it's that, or do I need to go to the gym more? Do I need to do that? I was still working out three days a week. I was trying to eat better, but there were these little slip ups. And then I finally got to the point around the holidays. I was telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, you know what? No weight loss success story ever started off with like, yeah, I woke up and I uh, grabbed a couple of hot pockets and threw those in the microwave in the morning. Like, no, that's are hot pockets the worst for you. No, but if you're trying to like be healthier and trying to lose some weight, maybe ditch the hot pockets during the week. You know what I mean? Like if you have to want to make the change, you have to put in the work and I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of being somebody where it's like, we want, we, we want the easy answer. We think that there's always some simple solution, but at the end of the day, you just got to roll up your sleeves and put in the work. Yep. That's true. That's true. And also I really think it is all about balance, not this all or nothing notion. I'm, I'm a good example of all or nothing when it comes to dietary habits and you know, anything in the realm of health, health and fitness. And I guess I've been working more towards balance with those things. Um, mostly with my eating because I can be very much like if I slip up that I'm like, well, forget it. I'm just going to eat the whole box of donuts, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's not the way to go. That's not going to help things. But the thinking would be like, well, if it's not, if I just finish it all now, it won't be here tomorrow and I can start fresh tomorrow and I won't have that urge. But that never really works for me. Never. So so now I'm trying to take more of a balanced approach because I struggle with my eating. So I'm trying – that's probably the biggest thing is taking a balanced approach to my eating. But I can also see how that translates in other areas of my life. Just really focusing on balance and sustainability. So if I can't have the thing food-wise – that messes with my head. So what's sustainable? For me, I'm trying um, and I'm trying something that I've done like a really long time ago with some modifications, and that is just tracking. I actually had my macros assessed by a macros coach, and it was probably the best thing ever because though I have a really solid understanding and foundation of how those things work and all, I wasn't exactly sure where my macros needed to be to um, maintain, to just stay where I'm at, or if I wanted to lean out, what would that look like? What would my deficit look like? And if I wanted to bulk, what would my surplus look like? So getting that knowledge has actually been really helpful, and now I'm tracking my macros in an app. So the two big things that I look at are calories and protein. And fat and carbs are are factored in there, but they're not quite as important as hitting your protein mark and staying within your calorie mark. 
when I'm able to log it all in and see what's see where I'm at, like it's a bank account. Like I can look at my calories and my protein like a bank account. Like I can't spend what I don't have. And it allows more flexibility within my eating just by knowing what I have to spend, right? So I can factor in a serving of M&M's and it's not going to screw me up. Yeah. Versus before, I'd be like, I'm going to eat the whole party-sized bag of M&M's. Realistically, could you eat a whole party-sized bag of (laughs) M&M's? Watch me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me laugh. My cough will come here on the air. No, seriously, I could eat a whole party bag of M&M's, but that's the thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I that app sounds amazing because then you can still plan on hey, like like something that's that's a challenge is like okay, uh, we're gonna go to the movies, and well, if you're going to the movies, you gotta get go to the concession stand, you gotta get your popcorn, and you gotta get your candy and all of that. I would go through these phases in the last year, even just meeting with clients. And people would be like, hey, you want to grab lunch or, you know, should we should we grab a quick coffee and we'll meet here? And there was a side of me where it's like, well, that's going to ruin your day. You're going to go out to lunch and it's going to ruin your day. And then it's just it's it's retraining your brain and saying, no, you can still go out to lunch. Just don't order the appetizer and a lunch entree like you don't need all of that food. So factored in and it's actually mm-hmm. not necessarily day by day so much but you can look at it like from a week right so maybe some days you are a little bit cleaner and maybe slightly under slightly under your calorie allotment so then you can kind of save up for that you know lunch out so you have a little bit more mm-hmm. to play with so so it's not every day has to be perfect. Like my my not every day is the same for me. Some days I eat more, some days I eat less. Some days I have more protein, some days I have less. But as long as it's kind of balancing out over the week, then it it works out just fine. And you actually do need to have like a cheat a quote-unquote cheat meal. Mm-hmm. You do need to have the things that you like because that's what makes it sustainable. And for me, so I, I struggle with some disordered eating and body image issues. So I've tried all sorts of things to sort of help with that. Intermittent fasting, prolonged fasting, keto diet, low car- like low carb, high carb. Um, I've tried all sorts of things. Ultimately, they all sort of like the, they would work for a little while. And then I just kind of lose my mind and things would stop working. For me to to be tracking like this and having a clear understanding of what I need to do with my macronutrients, really, where do I need to be? Because I think a lot of it is just not knowing. A lot of my eating tendencies were just not knowing what my body needed to fuel, to do my workouts, to make it through my workday and all of those things. So now that I know, now that I have a guideline, it's so much easier. And being able to track it and actually see what's happening I do find that it's easier on my mental state and the um, disordered thinking around food is so much less. Now, granted, I've only, I've honestly only been doing this a couple weeks, I think. So it's still pretty new for me, but I am finding quite a bit of relief in it. And also like there's been a couple days where I've screwed up and not done as well as I liked, but even then, like I, I was like, well, I'm just not going to track this because I screwed up so bad. 
but I've made myself track it because then I can go back and look and see exactly what I did and where it left me. And it actually helps me to recover the following day by tracking all the things that I'd screwed up with. Right. And then it puts some perspective on it. And it's like, really, it's, it's not that bad. Like maybe I only went over by 500 calories. So the next day I can back off a little bit. I can pull back a little bit and, um, you know, make sure that I'm hitting that protein mark. So it's just a way better way of managing, I feel. But again, like I said, it's only two weeks in. So we'll see. Talk to me in a month and see how I'm doing. Yeah, we'll have to uh, have a check-in here on our resolutions. I My goal for the year is I want to go and lose 50 pounds. And last week was a good start to the week. Now, albeit I was sick. But I lost four pounds last week, and that felt good. I was only able to get to the gym one day. And I probably shouldn't have went that one day because I overexerted myself and and whatever. It, it's it was hard last week because with it being a new year, I wanted to hit the ground running and be like, okay, holidays were fun, but now I'm over the holidays. I'm ready to rock and roll. And with my type of personality being type A, like let's rock and roll. To yeah. be sick the first week of the year really sucked, and to not be fully recovered yet. Still sucks, but it's the hand that you're dealt. Um, but I also think uh, having people, having friends, family to to be your buddy, like have, have you know, go to the gym with and hold each other accountable with with eating and check in on each other and all of that. Because failing at New Year's resolutions is so common that there's even a slew of unofficial dates commemorating such failures some sources cite uh, ditch new year's resolution day is january 17th right and then uh the the, uh, you can re-resolute in june isn't that right (laughs) yeah and then there's a the second friday in january is called quitters day so best of luck to everybody out there yeah i think your resolutions really just you need to be realistic like set small goals you can you've got your goal of hitting that 50 pound weight loss So what are the small goals between here and there? And what are the things that you're going to put in place for slips, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have to have, because life is life. Life be like that. You're going to slip up. So you need to have like an action plan for when you do so that you don't make yourself good, bad, right, or wrong over it. Um, But you have the tools to move through it and be like, yeah, I really enjoyed that night out with my friends. Now here's what I'm going to put in place today so Mm -hmm. I can recover from that. Absolutely. You can't, you can't have a lifestyle change and basically again, have that attitude of it's all or nothing, because if if you want to get into better shape, if you want to have better mental health, if you want to go find a new job in the new year, if you want to find a relationship, whatever your goals are, whatever your resolutions are for 2024, it's not going to happen overnight. We'll leave it at that, and uh, we'll check in with you here in uh, in the coming weeks. Maybe we'll check in with you in the spring and have you back before the season's done to get a recap, hold each other accountable, and, and see where we're at. That sounds good. I'm down for that. Regina, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Regina Noel Downing here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show on the Inherent Dream Podcast Network. Time to relax. Time to treat yourself. Time for a massage. Time to head to In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands Massage specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. They also offer salt lamps, essential oils, and much more. 
book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. It's been a minute because we've had our little holiday hiatus, but we are back tonight. And just in time for Wild Card Weekend, it's another free-for-all Friday. Free-for-all Friday! With Mark Stone. Mark, how are you? It's been a long time, Trevor. It has. I mean, a lot, a lot has happened in the NFL. I mean, just this week alone, we could probably record an hour-long podcast just talking about the things that happened this week. But the good news, folks, is the playoffs are here, and I have been red hot, of course, since I've left the show with my bets and my carved-in-stone bet of the week. So let's get back on that horse, and let's make some money this weekend. I love it. We'll get to picks in just a second. And again, we, we could dive way into a lot of these things, but I just want to sort of scratch the surface before we get into these games. Are Were there any firings that were surprising, in, in your opinion? I don't think there was anything totally surprising. I mean... We've talked about Vrabel possibly being gone on this show, so I wasn't surprised when that actually came to fruition. I wasn't surprised with once Vrabel was gone. I mean, you kind of called the shot, and it hasn't happened yet, but I'm smelling it's coming. Belichick being out in New England now that he's available. Um, I guess I'm, I'm surprised that some firings didn't happen. Matt Eberfruz in Chicago should be gone. Dennis Allen, after what happened in New Orleans, should be gone. And and New Orleans now doubling down by bringing Chucky into the (laughs) building to fix this offense. I mean, you you can't write. I mean, everybody says the NFL is scripted. Folks, you can't script this. It's too good. Um. The thing that I I'm I am curious about is is how on some of these. How do two buffoons like me and you know that at the beginning of the year, Riverboat Ron will be looking for a job at some point? How could we look into the crystal ball and say that Ron Rivera is not the long-term answer for the Washington Commanders? How did we see it, but the organization didn't? Well, I think the new ownership in the organization didn't want to shake everything up right off the bat. I think they wanted to see maybe could Ron turn things around. But when Ron kind of said, no, 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 Sam Howell is going to be our quarterback this year. Don't sign anybody. We're going to go with Sam Howell. That should have been assigned to you as an organization right there. You know what, Ron? We've enjoyed the service you've given us here at the Commanders football team Redskins organization, but your services are no longer needed. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, we got you guys in here. Why don't you be interim head coach for the rest of the season? And do you need a quarterback? That should have been the next question. I got to be honest with you, Stone. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a good thing, bad thing. I mean, the good thing is, I love having you on during the season. I love the National Football League. I love football. It's 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 my bread and butter sport. I'm always so excited at the beginning of the year. Last year, I went through this phase where it got to be the playoffs, and that first weekend, wild card weekend last year, really left me high and dry. I was very disappointed with the results. I thought the games weren't very entertaining, and Maybe this year it'll be different, but going into this weekend, Stone, 
a lot of these matchups I'm, I'm not really excited about, and maybe you can change my mind, but I don't, I don't see a lot of great games here for Wild Card Weekend. So tell me why I'm wrong. Let's hop into the picks here. We'll start with Saturday's games. You get Cleveland and you get Houston from Houston, 330. Yeah, at this point, Stone, the Texans are playing with house money. What do they have to lose? I'm going to take Cleveland in this game because defensively, I really like them. Uh, I, I think defensively, Houston's a very good football team, too. I, Flacco is playing out of his mind with Cleveland. I just like overall, I, I think Cleveland has a little bit more talent on both ends of the ball than Houston. Houston's been a nice story, but I will take Cleveland in a uh, in a closer game here. I think it'll be more than three, but less than a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm trusting more than three. If I was trusting more than three, then I would then I would be uh, betting Cleveland right now at two and a half. I'm not I'm not totally sold on that. The wise guys love if it goes to plus three, I'm betting Houston on this game. But right now I'm kind of staying away from the game. You've got the rookie head coach. I mentioned on this show, D'Amico Ryan's. I honestly think after what he did in the last few weeks here to get this team to now Dan Campbell's going to win the win it because of the fact that Detroit just always sucks and the fact that did you know this is the first time in the 70 years I shouldn't say the first time only the third time in the 70 years that the Browns and the Lions have been organizations that they both made the playoffs together the third time you said third time in 71 years <laughs> that's that's ridiculous <laughs> so so there's that but i mean D'Amico and cj stroud they've done a fantastic job here but you, you don't like you don't like the fact that you've got a team with a rookie head coach and a, and a rookie quarterback coming in here teams that didn't make the playoffs the year before that have a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback going into the playoffs are zero three all, all time so you, you got to like what Flacco's doing. You mentioned it with the Browns. I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a great game. But I think Kevin Stefanski is going to put things on the on the edge. Again, the Browns' defense do not play well on the road. Texans do play well at home. But I think the Browns are going to attack this uh, Texans' defensive backfield, which outside of Stingley has been suspect against the pass. Jalen Petrie is a very good safety, but he's an in-the-box safety. He's a guy who can attack the run and usually then gamble for, a, for an interception or create a fumble. He is not good in coverage. Browns have the weapons. You mentioned it on offense. I am picking the Browns to win, but I think it is going to be a good game indoors. So this is this is one of my three bets of the week. I am taking the Cleveland-Houston over. It's at 44 right now. Actually, it already moved to 44.5. I got it at 44. I still like it at 44.5. I do not see this as a as a uh, 24-21 game. I think it goes a little bit higher. Well, and you mentioned, too, like Cleveland's defense is much different on the road. So I, I, I think they obviously have, have playmakers they, if they can put it all together, but I think there might be some more points scored than, than what we think. I don't want to take anything away from D'Amico and Houston because they had a hell of a year stone, but also what about the collapse for Jacksonville in that division? That was Jacksonville's division to win. There should have been no competition. We knew Tennessee 
might scrap for for a wild card spot maybe but we sort of figured that they would be down this year I mean I, I had Tennessee at 10 wins so I don't want to necessarily say down but I, I don't think anyone was predicting Tennessee to win 12 or 13 games this year Indianapolis came out of nowhere and was competitive all season and then and then you know you have you have Houston in that division yeah, I just I, I look at, at everybody and I'm like, how in the hell did Jacksonville crumble away as the season went along? Well, I, I feel like you got two questions. I mean, Jacksonville's on the AFC side. You're questioning what the hell happened here. You had a super easy schedule. You had a layup to the division title. And we knew Indianapolis and Houston were going to be improved. We figured Vrabes would would compete with Tennessee like he always has. They they fell short of kind of being in that realm, but they were still feisty at times. But Jacksonville just simply could not get out of their own way. They fired their defensive coordinator in Caldwell. So looks like that's what they're putting the blame on here but definitely now there's questions about trevor lawrence and just who is this guy really and can this guy really rebound i do the same thing over on the other side with new orleans who i mentioned earlier they had a super easy schedule they were stacked compared to all the teams in their division so the fact that they're not in the playoffs either after i had them going to 11 wins and winning and winning their their uh division is ridiculous so that's a a lot of questions there i think doug peterson should be given another shot but i think dennis allen should be put out the pasture he's a he's a coordinator not a head coach but we've had that discussion here before dolphins and chiefs saturday night seven o'clock where is this streaming where's this game porn hub or what what's it streaming on stone you know what? Uh, this is this is. I think we discussed it earlier this week. This is ridiculous what the NFL is doing here. It's on Peacock, you know. So get out your cock and, and take a look and take a look at the Chiefs Dolphins game, which is slated to be the coldest game in NFL history right now. Uh, Going to be zero degrees at kickoff from the sounds of it with the wind chill. I think that puts it in that range to where it could be colder than the legendary ice bowl in that one other game between the Packers and the and the Giants which was nuts um so you've got that here we've talked about the Dolphins all season long being the fake Rolex of the NFL <laughs> being the spray tan down there on South Beach it, 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 I mean they can run the football and they're gonna have to run the football in this game to have a chance but the Chiefs being used to being in the cold weather Miami's is horrible in games below 40 degrees, um, you know, ever since the Marino years. So, I mean, this isn't, this isn't just a trend that's been happening lately. And plus who else can you sign off the street to uh, pass rush on this team? You brought out, you rolled out Melvin Ingram's old bones last week and even played him at cornerback for, for for a couple plays. I mean, who else are they going to get here? I mean, they're, they're falling apart at the seams. Disappointing season for the Dolphins, especially considering the fact you had a chance at the number two seed in the last week of the season, and yet you bombed that against the Bills to put you in this situation. I think the Chiefs just put him to bed. Not saying the Chiefs are great, but I think the Chiefs are good enough at home to win this game. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I mean, I think the Chiefs have plenty of flaws too, but I just I can't go against the narrative that we've seen all year. It's not as if Miami has lost all of these games against really good teams by a point or two. For the most part, they have 
taken a big dump and, and it's gone down their leg all year long. I mean, they haven't been competitive in these games. You said it very early in the season, calling them the fake Rolex of the NFL. And I agree. I think, I think that's perfect. I don't think the chiefs are anything to write home about, but I think they, uh, with their experience in the cold weather at Arrowhead, I think they do enough to win this game by at least seven on, on Saturday night in terms of the game being on Peacock. What irritates me stone is all season long, you had games on Thursday night on Amazon. If you were going to have a game on a streaming provider, to me, it makes sense that it would be on Amazon if you were going to do that. But instead, they do it on Peacock, where they had one game all season long, and they hyped that game. It was Buffalo and the L.A. Chargers on the 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve. They made a big deal about that, that it was going to be on Peacock. I heard from somebody that Peacock and NBC and Comcast, they shelled out like $100 million for those two games. And if that's true, the NFL should be ashamed of themselves because... I get it. You know, I always hear the argument, oh, it's, always, it's, it's about the money. They need to make a profit. But the NFL has more than enough money. The playoffs should be about the fan experience. This is the NFL telling people like me and you that they don't give a rat's ass about us because they're going to hijack our weekend. So now we have to watch it on Saturday. We have to watch it on Sunday. Now we're putting a game on Monday night the last couple of years. And not only that, not only are we going to stretch it into three nights, Stone, now you have to buy Peacock, too, to watch the best game of the weekend. Yeah, Trevor, it's it's like I said. I don't mind that they're trying to give a bone to their their uh, streaming subscribers here on Peacock, but uh, the fact of the matter is, it's it's playoffs. You're, you you've got plenty of sponsors. There's no reason why you can't simulcast this on NBC as well. For those that do strictly do streaming services like Peacock, it's great. It's great for you to finally have a playoff game at home. Now, the NFL does not want to give you too much because that takes away from their NFL Plus package. That's a streaming package as well where you get all those where you get all those games. But, you know, it, it gives you something here, and it proves once again, you kind of mentioned it, uh, the NFL definitely likes its Peacock. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll go to Sunday, Steelers and Bills. For a second, I thought maybe this might be an okay game, but no uh, no T.J. Watt. Uh, give me Buffalo. I, I don't think it'll be that close. Plus, like, who's, who's Pittsburgh starting at quarterback? Don't care. Give me Buffalo. Mason Rudolph Ugh. getting the start again as Kenny Pickett continues to sulk in the corner because yeah. he's no longer the starting quarterback here. You know, I mean, Mike Tomlin, I, 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 we've had all these legends, you know, kind of hanging up this week. Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick. Uh, I'm not calling Mike Vrabel a legend, but again, Vrabel, oh, we could call Nick Saban a legend. Yeah. Same kind of thing. I almost feel like if after the Steelers lose this game, I feel like Tomlin should do the same thing. You, you need a breath of fresh air. He should have went to Mason Rudolph a lot sooner than what he did. Instead, we had to be we had to be privy to Mitch Trushitsky again <laughs> and, and watching him try to roll out here and get some wins on this. 30 to 40 mile degree wins. This is what makes these AFC games interesting. Like I said, the Texans Browns game is going to be the best game of them all, but the weather factor on these other two games is going to make for some interesting football and can make it very exciting. I'm tempted to bet Pittsburgh at the plus 10 mm. with a 30 to 40 mile degree yeah. hour win. I just don't know if Josh Allen though is going to find a way to put the pedal to the metal and through the throttle to start with and 
you're about to a 20 to nothing lead and that's screwed because Pittsburgh's going to run the ball. We know that Buffalo can run the ball, but Allen can still throw in those, in those wins. So I'm, I'm still deciding right now on my third bet. That's my highest of the three, but I am also still considering green Bay and Tampa. And we will get to those as we get over to the NFC side of things. Yeah. Another thing about the Peacock game and the scheduling window Jerry Jones must have some big time dirt on Roger Goodell because why Dallas gets this three thirty prime window. I get it. You know, it's wild card weekend. Every game's big. Every game. If you're a football fan, you're tuning into every game, but the Super Bowl champion shouldn't be playing on Saturday night on Peacock. Okay. Put Dallas on Monday night or put them on the Peacock game. Okay. Put them there. Dallas doesn't deserve the 330 window. Dallas hasn't won a Super Bowl in a very long time, but here they are. So we get uh, Dallas and Green Bay. Don't overthink this. As much as I hate it, Dallas should cruise. Dallas should cruise. Um, the line has moved. It was it was up to 7.5 at one point in time. The wise guys have brought it back down to 7. At 7, it's kind of up in the air. At 7.5, I'd be tempted to bet Green Bay because I just don't trust Mike McCarthy yeah. to put the Packers away. And that's that's what's going to make this game interesting. If, if the Packers are within a score halfway through the fourth quarter, watch us call it here, folks. We've talked about this all the time. Mike McCarthy's going to do some dumbass moves <laughs> that's going to possibly put this game up in the balance and give Green Bay a win. If Green Bay plays their perfect game, and they've had a couple of them lately, Jordan Love has looked really good the last seven, eight weeks. If they play their perfect game and Dallas somehow does a screw-up, whether it's McCarthy or whether it's Dak with some stupid turnover, the Cowboys could be had here. I'm picking the Cowboys to win because they do play better at home, but it could be some interesting football. Don't tune in to the fourth quarter unless you're a Cowboys fan. I'm sure dumbass Dak will have some uh, some terrible interception or fumble at some point. So we'll see. As much as I want the Packers to go in, they have to play almost a perfect game in Dallas. Because, look, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Dallas's offense, but we've been talking for a couple of years about how special Dan Quinn is and those defensive playmakers on that side of the ball for Dallas. If Dallas has any want and need to go to the Super Bowl, it's going to be done on the defensive side of the ball. And defensively, that's where that team really shines. Sunday night, Rams and the Lions in Detroit. Man, oh man. I'll tell you what, Stone. If there's a chance, if there's a game that I'm looking at here out of these games where there could be an upset, I'm taking this one. I'm taking the Rams. I'm taking Matthew Stafford to go into Detroit and say, look at me now. Give me the Rams. You know what? This is the game of the week of the wild card round. There is no doubt about it. You don't have to deal with things like you do over on the AFC side where the dumpsters are are sitting outside the stadium waiting to be come in and set a fire in the middle of a snowstorm. <laughs> We've got a great game here. We've got a lot of intrigue as you got Matthew Stafford returning back to Detroit as Detroit gets into the playoffs, back to Ford Field. We'll see what kind of welcome he gets there. You got Jared Goff, the guy he was traded, he was traded for over on the other side who Sean McVay put outside and wanted to set fire in a, in a dumpster as well, bringing this team in. You got Dan Campbell biting kneecaps. You got Sean McVay selling chunky soup over on the other side. You got Sam Laporta knocked out of the game 
game last week because Campbell was still pissed off about what happened in Dallas the week before. You got a ton of things here. This is the carved in stone bet of the week, folks. The carved in stone bet of the week is on the season. Last year we finished eleven and seven, sixty-one percent. This season we're eleven, six and one wow. right now at sixty-five percent. You can't do better than that. Even the wise guys are envious of the carved in stone bet of the week right now. So this is it. You take the Rams. This is gonna be close. I am picking Detroit to win, but if there is gonna be an upset, this is the game. What's the line? The line is three. Okay. Which pisses me off because it was at three and a half and I missed it. So it's hanging at three right now. But when it was at three and a half, I wish I would have hammered it and taken the Rams then. You think they're not? They're, the the Lions are. If the Lions win this game, they are not winning it by more than they. Well, I took the bet, so I'm so I'm hoping they win by more than three. But I think it's going to be either a push or it may be a win. So do you think that that might come down a little bit? I don't think it's going to come down at all because it hasn't moved since Tuesday. Wow. Okay. Well, it's going to be a great game. What type of reception do you think Matt Stafford gets? I think Matt Stafford gets a great reception because of the fact that, you know, the team was still successful. I think went to the playoffs with three times while he was there under two or three different head coaches. So, I mean, you can't complain about Matt Stafford. He didn't really necessarily – asked to be traded out of there. I think the, the team kind of felt they would get, this was the opportunity for them to get to offload some salary and to get something back. And you can't complain about what they got back. I mean, Jared Goff got you a division title. You haven't had that since the nineties. Well, speaking of the nineties, we got Cowboys 49ers one, two seats. What's going on here? Eagles and Buccaneers. I mean, we were talking off the air. I can't remember if I mentioned this to you. I mentioned it to somebody, but Ever since uh, that security guard Dom got in, uh, like got ejected from that game, the Eagles have been a a train wreck. It's the uh, Dom conspiracy theory here. Uh, you know what, Stone? The Eagles have issues. I'm not real high on the Eagles, but I still think they're better than the Buccaneers. I'll take Phil- Philadelphia to win this game. No, this is going to be another great game, and it's a great game because of just everything going on. You have Baker Mayfield on one side who's hobbling into this game as they're trying to keep him together with chicken wire and duct tape. He's got a bum shoulder. He's got a bum ankle. He he practiced today. We're on Thursday right now. He practiced today, so he's going to be going. You got Philly on the other side. A.J. Brown's banged up. Nobody has seen Devontae Smith in practice all week long, which means the Eagles are going to have to pound on the, on the ground. You got Matt Patricia over there still calling the defense to a tune of 0 and 4. And I think they're oh. 1 and 5 since he's taken over. Again, just quality defensive play calling. Eagles lose. Eagles are in a must win here. They lose this game, and, you, and, and Nick Sirianni could be fired. Yeah. Seriously. He's already, already going to have to fire to find two new coordinators. That's already. Rumors have it Wink Martindale is a guy he's really looking at to bring in to solve that defense after his blow-up with Brian Day Balls this week. But, I mean, the Eagles are in a must-win here for, for everything. Starting off, what did they start off, 11-1 and one or whatever? For the way they started off this season, to get bounced in the first round by an upstart Tampa Bay team, 
you can't have that happen if you want to hold him. We've seen Holly Roseman fire people for much less than that. Andy Reid, freaking, freaking, uh, freaking Doug Peterson. Dude, I mean, Dick I. Sirianni's coaching for his job. Dude, I get, you know, Tampa Bay. I mean, they, they won their division. They, they get the home playoff game. I get that. I'm looking at my picks right now, and I was probably a little harder on them than I would have been. I had Tampa Bay at three wins on the season. For so for them to even be in the playoffs is a miracle. I mean, I you had I had New Orleans winning that division. I think you did too, and then I had Atlanta yep. and then Carolina. So Tampa Bay even sniffing the playoffs is astonishing. That team shouldn't even be close to the playoffs. We we sort of figured that you know, maybe not three wins, but all right, well, maybe five or six, but they're, they're not. I had them at five. Yeah, I mean, so for, for for that team to be where they're at right now, Philadelphia has no excuse on Monday night. They should go into Tampa, and they should roll, but there's something going on with that team. There's something behind the scenes that we just don't know about because uh, I don't know how you can start 11-1 and one or whatever they did and then just come crumbling down. Matt Patricia, at this point next year, might as well just be filling up the Gatorade bottles on the sideline because the dude can't coach anymore. I mean, seriously, we're, we're, who's going to give him another opportunity? He hasn't been able to coach, and you know this from being a Patriots fan, ever since the Philly special. Yeah. The Philly special put, put him on a cheesesteak and served him up to be done, though. Oh, my and goodness. He, he hasn't been the same since. You know, speaking of cheesesteak, that sounds pretty good. What are you serving this weekend for the games? I'm not. I, I don't got anything certain on on the on the menu or anything like that. I mean, I'm gonna have the games on. And I'm gonna relax and and watch what I can, of course. Yeah. Um, as my 49ers stay idle, but no, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll need to get some pizza going or something like that. Something to spice it up a little bit, especially for those games that are on Saturday. God, brutal. Well, and I'm telling you what, I'm not leaving the house this weekend, so it might be a pizza delivery weekend because Sunday's, yeah. Sunday's high temperature is going to be like one below zero or something. So welcome to winter, my friend. <laughs> yes, El Nino has yeah. left the building. Yeah. Hey, enjoy the games on Wild Card Weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, Trevor. Always a pleasure on a free-for-all Friday. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. How is your job to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then, someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Thank you to my guests tonight, Tim Coffey, Regina Noel Downing, and Mark Stone. Next week, Ross Brendel will be my guest. For people that have been with us since the very early days of the show, back when it was called Another Round, you perhaps remember Ross. He's with Score North Radio in the Twin Cities and also host of his own podcast, Minnesota Sports Chat. Be sure to check it out on Spotify. Lots of topics to discuss with Ross, including why he got into radio, go for football, and much, much more. That's next week on the Trevor J. Brown Show. Thanks for listening. Good night.